Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Marcus Brown. Marcus is a man of many talents. He is a United Kingdom athletics running coach. He is a world marathon majors six star finisher, means he's run all six of the world marathon majors. He's gone from a 455 marathon to recently achieving a sub three hour marathon as a big goal. And he's also the host of a Runner's Life podcast, where he aims to talk to runners of all backgrounds and abilities to find the commonalities between us all. Yes, elite runners, they are just like us in many ways. One of the interesting things about this conversation of why I want to talk to Marcus specifically is because of his relationship with the goal that he recently achieved, which was to run a sub three marathon. And this conversation about goals and goal setting is not the like, how do you set and achieve your goals? It's kind of a discourse on what goals are, what goals even mean to us. What do you do if you achieve all your goals? Like what next? And that post-race, post-PR blues that a lot of us experience after a large event, a big, a big climactic finish, and then, and then what? And then nothing. So this conversation, I think you'll, you'll hopefully really enjoy. It's a bit more, like I said, on that that discussion, philosophical side. There is some coaching stuff that we talk about. We both talk about our personal experience and how our relationship with goals has changed over the years during our running careers. So I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do too. Marcus, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Hi, Elizabeth. Same here. I'm excited to talk with you. So I know you, but some of our listeners may not. So I ask all of my guests this Tell us, how did you become a runner? I became a runner by accident. I didn't run at school. I didn't do cross country. When I looked at things, people running, I just thought, why would you do that? Like, <laughs> this makes no sense. I used to play a lot of football, I guess in America, you called soccer, but I was still kind of called it football. I was, you know, I did that at school. That's what we were into. I think that's what all my friends were into. We didn't really look at the runners. We just saw these really skinny guys wearing shorts and just thought, no, nah, that's just not for us. So it never really appealed to me at school. And then I went to university and lived life a little too well, came back, tried to play football and realized that even though I thought I had it, I still didn't have it. So because I lost all that fitness from um, enjoying uni life too much. Um, and then I thought I really got to do something about it. But it didn't come straight away. I had a friend who did like some half marathons and 10Ks when I was away at university in Europe. And he came back and he said to me, let's do a 10K. I was like, there's no way I'm doing a 10K. And he tried to find some races. I had loads of excuses about not to do them. And we eventually found one, we eventually found one race in London, the North versus South Nike run. And that was my first ever run in my mid twenties. And yeah, from then it sort of uh, snowballed from there. So how much of your running the beginning was just to keep up your football fitness? Cause that happens a lot with runners. They think, well, I just started running to keep up my fitness for my primary sport, which was not running. Yes, yeah, a good question. So I still played a lot of five-a-side football, so I never really saw running as a serious thing. Like Even if you look at the picture of my first marathon, I'm wearing a Brazil 
football top, my my football shorts, and I think some random trainers. I can't remember where I got them from, but I didn't even have a watch. So it was like I was not letting the football go. So it wasn't until like a few years later that I actually decided to kind of move more into the running side. So were you hooked from the beginning or did you think, yeah, that wasn't so bad. I could do that again. The training definitely did not hook me. It was just horrific. It was just like running from bollard to bollard, like five meters and feeling like you're going to die and then stopping and walking, stopping and walking. And it eventually progressed into being able to run a bit longer Then it progressed into doing a mile and then you'd have the days off and come back again. So it was really hard to do the training. But what I would say is that when I did the race, it was an amazing feeling. It was just like, wow, through all that training, I've done this and like no one can take it away from me. And it was such a powerful feeling and it became, yeah, I needed to sort of do it again. So I looked for another race. And I think that's another rookie mistake we could go into about trying to do too many races too soon when your body's not really developed the strength to, to be a runner. That's actually a very common point because that kind of invincibility of, oh my gosh, I did this thing, which I thought might be impossible. And you cross the finish line. You're thinking, did that just really happen? I feel on top of the world. I mean, it might be in a little bit of pain, but you feel on top of the world and you want to capture that again and again and again. And so, yes, I think for a lot of, especially newer runners, they start out, they run their first race and they immediately sign up for another one, like the next weekend or very, very soon after. Um, and this, this today's episode will really talk about goal setting in the short and long term, and a lot of the how to set goals that are meaningful for you and you know how to chase long-term goals and what happens once you've reached all your achievements when you've accomplished all your goals. Um, but that I think lets us a really good point to start off with is that most runners actually might race too often in the context of trying to achieve their big goals. Yeah, absolutely. And whilst we're not comparing ourselves to elite runners, sometimes we forget that they've had 10 plus years for example of running and building up so when they're talking about workouts that's why it's a bit easier so sometimes i think as you know new runners as myself and people i coach i try to remind them you know you need, you need to build up slowly you know don't rush it um because that's where you get all the injuries and then you get all the naysayers going oh it's bad for your knees and bad for your legs it's because well you're not strong enough to you know it takes I mean, it, it, as you know it takes a short amount of time to get aerobically fit but it takes a longer time for your body to get stronger in terms of all the tendons and the muscles so that takes a longer time and we don't always respect that especially at the beginning so i know that for you one of the the impetus for this conversation was that you've actually fairly or in the recent history achieved one of your huge goals which is to run a sub three marathon was that like the first goal that you set after you run your 10K? What was the first big like, I want to try this? It's a good point, actually. When I first started running, um, one of the things I mentioned is I didn't actually have a watch and I wasn't actually time focused. So for me, it was about could I do a 10K? And then it was like, could I do a half marathon? So it was more about the distance. Um, and then it kind of snowballed too quickly. So I stayed into the marathon and it wasn't really about the time until later on and then you get a bit more consciously aware of what other people are saying and then you get other people's interpretations of what is good what is fast and then that starts to cloud your own thoughts of like what your goal should be which we, we can get into but at the beginning I wouldn't say it's completely pure but it was just more about the sense of achievement um, and just completing the distance for me. 
That's really interesting. And I think that's so right. When I first started running and I set these goals for myself, there were goals that I set without any sort of context. I had no idea what was, what I should be striving for, you know, and then you learn a little bit and you think, oh, I should be aiming for this classic goal or this traditional time. But when I, when I was brand new, like I just kind of arbitrarily set a goal. Like I want to run a 10 K in this time. And in looking back, I had no concept of what that actually meant. And like, there were some goals that I set for myself, which were like laughably easy. Right. And I set some goals, which were like, uh, uh, that's way too challenging. But I love that, that pureness of, of, you know, spirit in this goal setting. You're like, I just set these goals for myself with no outside input and chased after them. Because I feel like a lot of times when runners set big goals, we do experience some outside influence in setting those goals. You know, nobody really cares about running a Boston qualifying time until they realize what that actually means. And then everybody has the goal of running a Boston qualifying time, right? Yeah. But it feels like it never ends because like once you start becoming consciously aware of these time goals or qualification times, like for example, some people say you're not a runner until you run this time for a 5K or you do this for a 10K. And then you're just like chipping stuff off to almost impress people that you don't really care about and it's not really your goal so sometimes you've got to go through these processes to find out what's actually important to you so I don't have a go at anyone for doing it because I've done exactly the same thing I've 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 gone to chase the time goals and then gone to chase the BQ time and then you kind of then after that you're like what's left what's next Um, and that's the question that you've got to ask yourself as your running has evolved, I mean, I think that's a really good question about what what's next. And I don't know how the, the process you go through with your runners and how you personally go through it, but I like to talk about the importance of setting like kind of short, medium and long-term goals, like the goals you can reasonably accomplish in the next like six months, right? And then the goals that are gonna take maybe a year or two, and then the goals that are maybe like that five to 10 year pie in the sky, like, yeah, if I might fulfill my ultimate potential, where might I be able to go? Um, how do you approach goal setting or how have you approached goal setting in in the past and now? It's a really good question. And I've definitely gone on the journey from not really having a goal to being all about the goal to now having the goal, but keeping it a little bit loose. So, for example, um, we talk about um, like time goals for like, look, like what you're going to do from like now to a year. If we just put that to one side and say, look at the marathon. Like one of the important things that I've learned recently is that, especially with racing, like sometimes we're led to think that, which is right, I can see why we do it. It's like you go into a marathon and say, I've got an A goal, or B goal, and a C goal. And you're like, okay, so then you're working out through your brain and then you start overthinking it. And the brain like wants comfort. And <laughs> we like to think that actually by over planning that we're going to like help ourselves out. But sometimes when you're in a race and things are going wrong, you just have to deal with it as as is. And I've spoken to, you know, some pro athletes and I speak to them and I'm like, what are you going to do for the race? And they're just like, I'm just going to go out and hold on for as long as I can. Now I'm not advising everyone to do that, but when you distill that, what they're basically saying is that like, I'm just going to be in the moment and I'm just going to not overthink it, but I'm going to work to my limit, just where my limit is and, and stay within that. And also the way I've said it before sounds a lot more extreme, but that is basically what they're saying. And as you kind of, become more experienced you decide and you learn actually where that limit is for you and you have to try these things out in races like sometimes you go into it thinking about what you're going to do but sometimes you just need to go out and do it so recently I did um, a 10k PR and I was just like I'm not going to think what I'm going to do in mile one two and three I'm literally just gonna 
hold on and just see how what happens. And I, I know the risk is that you can blow up, but if you blow up, then you know where your limit is. So that's where you kind of have to have that, especially in races. Um, so I know that wasn't your question in terms of just like, how do you plan your goals? But I just, I did take it away into the, the races, but I guess um, going back into your question, um, you know, in terms of like, how do you plan your goals? I think simply when I was going for sub three, I was just like, that was my goal. It's like the time, all like that's all I could see. You know, we were always told like, write it in your mirror and all that kind of stuff, which is helpful to a certain extent. But then, you know, day two comes and you're feeling a bit tired. You're feeling a bit cranky. You're feeling a bit hungry. Your friend says, do you want to stay up and do this? You're like, okay, cool. And, you know, it, all these little things happen when you're not as motivated the day two, day three, day four. So it's just like, you've got to have the goal, but like almost forget it and just be like, what can I do? daily so i've went from this really extreme sort of focus of like this is my goal sub three six forty something per mile da, 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 every day to net after i achieved it to like actually like that doesn't always serve me you just need to be like this is the goal i want to do but i need to forget it and then also what something my coach has told me recently is that like sometimes with the goals like i think because we want goals of the comfort we we, we think it's going to give us certainty like i said but sometimes it can actually limit how good you could be and I'm sure you get this as well when your athletes say, okay, let's do a marathon effort. Okay, what pace should that effort be? And like we're, we're saying, well, let's not put pace in it because I want you to go by effort or heart rate, whatever. I just want to see how good you could be without being limited by the watch because we think that the watch is going to, or the technology is going to tell us what should be the case. But actually it's what our bodies is you know, telling us, which we choose not to listen to because we're trying to find all these data and metrics and opinions and without listening to ourselves. So that was a bit of a, a long rant, but <laughs> hopefully I've kind of covered some of the, the points that you, you asked me originally. No, that's a really good point. I love you know, I love that point about, um, you know, writing your goal down, because I hear this a lot from some very high achieving athletes. You know, they say, like, I wrote when I was chasing this goal, I, I wrote it on my mirror and I looked at it every day and I repeated to myself and I had post-its around the house where this, this is my goal, this is my goal. And I mean, I think it also depends on the the kind of person that you are and, and how you approach those things. But that for me, that would freak me out. That would like make me run in the opposite direction and get almost so afraid of the goal that I would give it so much power. Cause like you said, when you set a goal, you should have a goal. Everybody should have a goal, you know, a couple goals, but you have to set it and forget it. Right. Because I have actually, I'll say I, I, uh, when I was a new coach, um, something I did with, with one of my runners pretty early on. And I, I made this, I'll say it was a mistake, right? We all, we all make mistakes. We're all human. And I was very proud for, because I, 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 you know, analyzed the training that she had done and I come up with this goal pace range and I had this really detailed race plan for her. And I was like super gung ho about her goal pace range for this race. And she ended up taking my race plan and blowing it out of the water. She ran significantly faster than either of us had planned, which was amazing, right? She had this she had an unbelievable race, a huge PR. And I realized that I may have limited her by giving her a very specific pace range. And that was the last time I ever like, yeah, I'll, we'll talk when I go talk to my athletes about race day playing, like we'll have a, a goal pace range in mind but it's always, how do you feel? Because you're right. I mean, sometimes, you know, we are a little bit too aggressive, but sometimes we're, we're limiting ourselves. You know, we say, ah, you know, this is my goal. And then I'm like, you can run much faster than that. Don't, don't limit yourself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all my PR races, I've never felt fantastic during the whole thing. 
it's like an illusion um so you sometimes you have to go further than you think you can to to get the best result and going back to the point you just made there i agree i, I say exactly the same thing to the athletes that i coach when they ask me about paces i'm just like let's just knock that in the head i want you to go by effort and we we have ways to measure it because like you said i like you don't want to limit them and um you know some people can work and i have seen it in, in cases where it does work where you know you have a set goal and it works for some people but i think you have to be careful with these things because it it can also you know motivate you but sometimes if you want something so badly it could also um take away from you and actually like tear you down so you need to like that's why you need to hold it quite lightly as well um once we say forget it so i don't want people to think i'll just like be wishful thinking and just like <laughs> you know just like make it up as you go along but just don't like make it become your everything because you see everything and then it can take everything away from you now somebody listening might say but he's already achieved his big goal it's easy for him to say that he's already you know got the gold star um but you know that's the great thing about running is there's always something next like there's always another goal to achieve but what advice would you have for a runner who has been chasing after a very specific goal for a while and is just kind of coming up short again and again, and they're getting frustrated, right? Um, what might you say to that runner or advice that you might have for them? It's all in context, really. You'd want to do a little bit of digging, really. You want to find out like how many times they've tried for this goal, like what they've tried before, what the training looks like, what their life stresses look like. I mean, all these factors um definitely play into account because you know something people will say uh i've tried you know okay how many times did you try well i tried one race uh, how many years have you been running well not many not very long you're like okay well we need to give a little bit more you know we need to work around that um but the example i give when i broke sub three it took me four times to do it and <laughs> each time was painful the first time i had like the best training block that i i feel like i've ever had like everything just clicked and the night before I had like food poisoning. So that completely <laughs> scuppered my race. And it's an actual video of me. You can see it on the internet somewhere where I'm actually, I like I'm running, giving it all my all and I'm approaching the finish line. And I throw up as I'm like getting towards the finish line. I'm like, keep going, keep going. I still got a PR, but I just missed out a sub three. And you, so that was an example of thinking, oh my gosh, I've done all that, but it didn't work out in the day. It's like, how unlucky is that? Um, then I had another two races where I got closer uh, I was in Berlin, I got 301 and then I was in New York and then I was like three hours and like 21 seconds or something like that. And just like, it's so painful because you look and you watch it, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so close. And I can see the finish line and it's still so far away. But each time I was getting closer, I'd say to myself that if, if in advice to someone that's getting closer towards their goal, I would say like, you're closer to where you were. I always think about that Elliot Kachoge phrase when he said, when, you know, when he, first went to break two it's like the world's getting closer the first time Monza and I was stuck with that in my head because I'm thinking well I'm, I'm one step closer than I was yesterday even though it might not have worked out so when I actually did break three the irony was that it was in a lockdown year it was a it was a still a race an official race we had like officials but there's like no crowd and I guess the only support we really had was the other runners and you know doing it was incredible but it just definitely showed a lot about myself because I was running with like no crowds. The wind, the weather was terrible. It was very windy. It was very rainy. But I was just like, in my head, I was just like, this is the fourth time. Like I have to go for it. So sometimes, you know, 
you've got to go through these things. And actually it made it so much more sweeter. Because I think if I would have just rocked up and just got sub three first time without any effort, then it probably wouldn't mean as much. So I'd just say like, to answer your question, like if they're doing all those little things right and they're making steps forward towards that goal, like don't give up if you're getting close. Sometimes if the goal is like completely unrealistic, like for example, if you said like, I really want to run, if you run like a four and a half hour marathon, you set you turn up next day and I want to run two hours, 20 minutes in the next marathon. You'd be like, okay, we need to like shrink it down a little bit and just make it more manageable. So sometimes you have to look at the goal as well. But I'd say if you're getting closer, then that's a positive step. And if not, then we can look at some of the things around it. Summer is here, and that means you might be traveling a little bit more than you were before, whether it's traveling for fun or for a race or for work, you know, whatever. You are going to need to pack. And I don't know about you, but I tend to overpack, uh, specifically when I also have to bring a whole bunch of running clothes and running gear and running shoes and running socks and running tops and sports bras and my hydration gear. The nice thing, though, is that I only have to bring one pair of sunglasses because my Gooder sunglasses are both functional and fashionable, whether I'm wearing them running or walking around in the middle of a downtown. And the other good news is that if you happen to leave them behind in your Airbnb or hotel, they're dang affordable and you can buy a new pair starting at only $25. But that's before you get your discount with code RUNEXP. Yes, you can get 15% off your next order at Gooder.com using code RUN. EXP. That's code R-U-N-E-X-P on gooder.com. So you can get your own no slip, no bounce, polarized, fashionable and functionable running and fun regular wear sunglasses. So check them out now on gooder.com, G-O-O-D-R.com. Look good, run gooder. And that is the heartbreak of the sport where you can have an amazing training block. And like you said, get food poisoning the night before. Oh, that's so, that is heartbreaking. Um, I've never I had a that. chicken risotto since actually. Yeah. Right. That's your bad luck. Like that's on the never again food list. Never, yeah. <laughs> that's such a good mindset shift though, because I think a lot, a lot of runners and understandably when we put so much of our time and our emotion into investing our lives into this sport, and training for something, whether it's our first race or our hundredth race, is that the result can feel like a judgment on us, right? Like either we passed or failed and not achieving the goal you set out to achieve can be, can be very emotionally hard for some people because they think, you know, is this a reflection on who I am as a person, as a runner, runner, you know, and of course I want to say, obviously you're not, you are not your pace. You are not your time, right? Everybody has bad days. I just came back from um, a couple of days at the world athletic championships in Eugene, Oregon, watching some of the best runners in the world crash and burn, right? Like on the big world's biggest stage. Um, but for you to have that mindset of, I didn't achieve my goal, but I am one step closer than I was before. That's really one of the best ways I think that one can look at that kind of result. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I was like going for sub three and I ran 3.30 and then the next one is 3.45, then I'd have to have a, a real honest conversation with myself. But because like I said, I was in a position where I was just outside, but still close enough. That's why it kept, kept the faith there. 
And so obviously, you know, listener, if you are in a position where you've been chasing after a goal for a while and you are actually going backwards, then it might be time to seek the assistance of a coach or switch coaches if you've been working with a coach and these are the results that you've been getting. Um, but that's the other frustrating thing too, is that sometimes our progress is not linear. You know, sometimes we have a couple, you know, training cycles where it kind of feels like nothing's happening until then something happens like a big breakthrough race but obviously we want to avoid you know going backwards significantly backwards whenever possible yeah absolutely i think there's so many factors in it i mean after i broke sub three i had two marathons afterwards while i was just outside again just three hours you know so sometimes like progress isn't always linear like i see people do this all the time and i've been guilty as well like they talk about i'm gonna break this time and then next marathon i'm going to take 10 minutes off and next marathon i'm going to take another 10 minutes off and it doesn't work that way and as you alluded to like it even happens to the best marathoners so you know the elites where you see they have an amazing result but then the next race they've had like the best training but they get covid or something happens and they've got to drop out and they don't get the result they want it doesn't mean that they're a bad runner overnight you know it happens to the best of us it happens to everyone else and like i think it's, i know it's always said like be kind to yourself but sometimes in a marathon like i think or a race but you just got to bear in mind that it's so long that so many things could happen that are outside your control and you just have to do your best to focus on what you can control and whether it's like a mile 10k or whatever i always have this attitude of reviewing it not like a deep dive review but i always go okay what happened what could i've done better but then what three things you know did i do really well um and also think did I give my best effort on a day? And it's always easy the next day to be like, oh yeah, I could have kicked more. Well, you didn't, you you gave what you could in the day. So just accept what you could give on the day as the best that you could. Um, and then I kind of like close that chapter and move on. That's a really big one that woulda, coulda, shoulda regret. Cause I've done that too. I mean, obviously I'm sure you did looking at, at you know, your three hour and a couple seconds time, but I finished races and looked at my watch and said, and looked at my splits and said, if I'd run three seconds faster here and a little bit more on this downhill and I hadn't stopped to pee, you know, but, but you did, right? That you can't change what happened. And in the moment, we do give the best that we can. And I've, you know, had a lot of runners racing recently in the spring, and some of them have ended up with very hot conditions. And I know it's very hot in many places around the world right now. And they have said, I think I could have run faster. And I look at their data and say, I don't think you could have, <laughs> you know, you did the best you could. You had an amazing result, given the fact that it was 93 degrees outside, you were maxed, right? You were maxed out. And what we can do is learn from that situation. And maybe next time we can dig deeper, but you ran as fast as you could have in the race that you just did. What about when a runner overly fixates? on one very specific goal um, to the point where it's like kind of all consuming with maybe they benefit from taking a break and focusing on a different goal for a while. That's a really good question. So I will link it back to something from my own experience because I can only talk about my experience. So those that might've known me on Instagram, my previous handle was the marathon Marcus. And for a long time, that's all I was known for. So it even gets to the point of people like he doesn't do trail races. He doesn't do half marathons. He only does marathons. And at the time I, I set that handles because I really enjoyed the marathons. It was a challenge and 
I wasn't looking to break sub three. I was just looking to to build, and it kind of transpired to the sub three, etc. And we'll go into the reasons of like a bit later in terms of like why you should kind of refine your goals. But I'll park that to one side. Um, and after the Seville Marathon uh, this year, and I was just like so dejected. You know, you're just thinking I've done all these marathons, and sometimes you forget actually by going through a marathon, after marathon, after marathon, it requires so much mentally and physically. And obviously, my life situation changed. I had a child, etc. And I was speaking to a friend and he could tell that I was getting a little bit stale running and just um, needed a, a, re- a reset. And he's like, why don't you try the mile? So then we ended up doing the Tracksworth Mile. And that was really fun because I got to meet with, you know, new people, got to try some new training methods and do a distance that I, you know, hadn't considered before. And I remember um, we, we had to, example, we, we had the example, we were going to do like the track mile um and, track obviously but unfortunately i got injured so a couple of weeks before that i actually did the the mile at the westminster mile so the road mile so i didn't get a chance to do the second one which was, which was where the training was culminating to but i'll go back to the westminster mile and i remember being so nervous before that now granted we always get nervous before like a race because i think that's just healthy i think if you didn't have any nerves it would, you probably shouldn't be doing it because it, you, you just need something to get you fired but what you do with those nerves and how you control them but I just remember it, it was just like being a kid again. It was just like so unknown. Even though you say it's a mile, but like only a mile at like your all out pace is still hard work. And it feels like an eternity, even though it's like, you know, you know, less than six minutes or so. So it was, uh, it, I mean, that was a good example for me that, you know, sometimes we can get so stuck on being fixed within a, um, a frame you know that we can't see it it becomes like a prison although it does grow us at some point like sometimes we can't see so i always advise people to just uh you know have some period of time during the year where you're just running for fun where you're not running for like a race or anything like that um and also just try to do other distances not like completely just keep being random just like races right off the races but just do something slightly different that you normally do um just to break it up and you know just see whether you can learn something about yourself um, um and you don't always have to go into the doing it as a race as well you could just do it for fun and you know, a lot of people do run without racing so i would just say that if you're feeling like you're getting stale if you're feeling like you're kind of losing that enjoyment and runners were really stubborn, so we were like the last admitted to ourselves. We we're like going on like a die in bed, like, <laughs> like it's like people are like you look miserable. I'm like I'm fine. You like you, your face looks miserable. <laughs> You're like I'm fine. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we were kind of the last to admit it. But yeah, you got to be honest with yourself and just like just try and change things up. I think it's a really it's one of the things that makes you know endurance runners so good at what we do is that we can kind of be miserable for a long yeah. time, right? Because it's. <laughs> kind of our sport yep. involves a lot of monotony yep. and sometimes some misery. And especially for people who've spent significant amounts of time focusing on longer distances, it's a lot of fun to drop down and do speed work. And mm. I mean, very few adult endurance runners have ever raced a mile, right? That's like, yeah. go race a mile. It's an automatic PR for most people, right? Like yeah. get that spark up. <laughs> yeah. And the good thing about the mile as well is that because it's so short, no pun intended, um, you can actually do more of them, whereas with a marathon, as we, as we alluded to before, like you could have the perfect build up, but something could go off or it might take you a couple of years to get to where you're going. And people look at it in a more like devastating way because you only do maybe two a year. 
or one a year. Um, whereas the mile you could do a couple over a summer, you know, or you know, a six week period. So um, that's the good thing about some of the short distance events. So talk about goal setting and what to do once you've achieved your big goal. I think it's important when you start running that you're just refining uh, yourself and the goal. So like you said, you might start running for joy. Uh, you know, you're not too bothered about distance. And then as you get more into it, you start discovering new shoes and technology. And then other people say about these races and you're like, oh, I could do this, I could do that. And then it becomes about, can I run a sub 20 minute 5k? Can I do a sub 40 minute 10k or whatever? And then it's like, can I qualify for Boston? All these kind of things. And all these goals, I might be funny, they're not actually our goals. So we actually have to like really step back and refine them. And one of the big lessons that I've learned is people say to me, it's all right for you, Marcus, because you've done these, these, some of these goals, like the sub three and whatnot. But I had to go through, um, trying to achieve other people's or other societies' expectations of what a run quote unquote runner is to actually come to the point of actually like they actually don't mean that much to me personally that's not what i um i want to move towards but you can only really get through that by you know refining and, and you know deciding what you don't want it's almost like you know you ask a question that not you personally but you can ask this question yourself in the day daily what's my intention for today and we end up being a bit stuck about like what what's that answer but then you start working through daily and you start looking at things in your life and you go okay well what's taken away from my life what do i want to add in so you end up actually working out what's not important and then moving that to one side move that to one side so you're left with a bit of a core of like who you are and i'm still in that process of just trying to work out like what my next goal is post you know the marathon because it can't always just to be about time because it, like to be a runner and, and run sustainably for a long time, you know, father time's going to get us, get us all. So we can't always think about that. So I just think about it's gone from, can I run this time to what does my best look like? What does, what can I do to feel good about the sport? And so it's like these two things working almost like, <laughs> like almost like a conflict. How can I still have fun? but how can I still push myself? And it's kind of like working those two things, those two core cool things. Um, and I don't want people to think I'm being wishy-washy by not saying a specific time, because this is what we always ask as runners. What was your time you're going to run a marathon in? And it's a, it, it's almost like a pointless answer to answer because you can I can say what I want to run, but it, it might not happen. And if it doesn't happen, like I said before, does that mean I'm a failure? No. So you basically have to work to see, like, especially in the marathon training, like you, you can only really know what your marathon pace is closer to the marathon itself. So your, your efforts, your, you know, your training will tell you where you are. Um, and then from there, then you can move on. So there's no point 12 weeks out me telling everyone I'm going to do this time because it might not happen. And I'm just, you know, it, it, we've said the reason before. So, long story short for the, the first part of the answer it's, it's kind of like between the refining uh dropping all that other stuff because it's not really important because it's, it's other people's goals about sub three because it doesn't really mean anything to be honest i mean even when you look at the the marathon distance 26.2 i mean the only reason it's point two is because it was for the olympics in london where it, it had to go past the buckingham palace so the royals could see that extra point two so then you think, well, if that would happen, you'd be by chance and all these other things happen. And it's just like, we're all always doing things that 
you know, we're influenced by other people. I know it's getting very deep now, isn't it? So it's almost like refining all the other stuff of, of like what's actually important to, to me, Marcus, what's important to you, Elizabeth, as a runner, um, putting stuff, all the other stuff, what's going to keep me in sport for a long time? What's going to keep me enjoying the activity of running? What's going to make me feel excited when I go out and run? Because if I'm just chasing a time every time, and I'm getting out in the morning, I'm just going to be thinking about time. Is this going to wear you down? It's not a fun thing to do. So I will that- say, I want to say that I love your point about basically like the fact that some of these goals are arbitrary, yeah. like the fact that like a three hour or a four hour, like it's, it's a round number. The only reason yeah. those specific times are so popular is because, I mean, they happen to be qualifying times for a major races, but not every major race um, yeah. is that the round numbers. Right. Yeah. If I told you, oh, I want to run a 180 minute marathon, you'd yeah. say, what? That's a three hour marathon. That's yeah. the that's the exact same thing. But when you express it in a different unit of measurement, all of a sudden yeah. you're like, wait, what? How did you choose that goal? Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like, why? Are, why do we even choose the goals that we choose? Because they're these giant round numbers. That's why. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, totally agree with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, you go through these these, these processes to the, to like refine as we said, and then how do you deal with the the, the post race blues? There's lots of things. I mean, if you're running for enjoyment, um, I would say that keep it that way. But if you're running to prove a point or you're running to achieve a time to make you feel better about yourself, you're basically putting water into a bucket with holes in it, and you'll achieve that time, and then a couple of days afterwards, you think, oh, what's next? I've got to get that buzz again. And it doesn't always work that way with, with certain races because you need that time to have some time off and, and to chill out because you've, you know, taken away time from family and things like that. And that's another thing we've not spoken about as well. It's so important to get the people that you live with on side and tell them like from the start, this is what we're, I want to do. Um, can I have your support to do it? And it's not one-sided, it's, it's working together. You know, it's, it's a collaboration. So it's, it's give and take. Because if you don't have that support from people around you, it's going to be very hard to to, to do what you need to do uh, for training. Um, and I know I'm going off into a tangent here, but I say post-race as well, it's really key to make sure that you like plan things after the race, like exciting things to do, whether it's a vacation, whether it's doing stuff with family, just do some things so you're not focused straight on, you remove the temptation of like, oh, I want to do a do-over, or I think I could do a go faster, or I left it out there i could do whatever no ifs woulds could should just leave it and just do something outside because you need that time to recover and also you owe it to the people around you to give them some you know some respect because i don't always get the balance right as a runner sometimes you can be so focused on your running that you think it's everything and you realize that not everyone else really cares as much as you do to be honest (laughs) so you've really got to make sure that you're uh, making uh, the people around you uh feel part of it but also making sure that you support them as well um but it also goes back to the point as well we talk about um how you feel post-race i remember when i broke sub three and people go i know we talk i'm just going to contradict myself by saying it's arbitrary but i think one of the lessons i learned from that was it was a race during the lockdown lockdown year so we had the marshals and we had the races and we had the chips and stuff like that and i crossed the line and, you know, you, you think it's going to be this amazing moment. You're like, oh, I can't wait. And there's no crowds there. It was just the biggest anticlimax. You cross the line. People are standing there in the rain. What are you going to do? Clap for yourself? It's just a bit weird. So you don't. So you go pick up your medal and your water. And then it's just like, 
okay, well, what do I do now? Then you go in your car, um, you know, you're still buzzing and you're sitting there. And it was, it was, it was really cool because on one hand it was just like, it was, it allowed me to focus on like what I'd achieved without having to do all the distractions. And I remember driving back thinking, wow, like you proved yourself right by not quitting, you know, those three times beforehand. But then it also made me ask, ask the question of like, you know, the finish line isn't the end. It's the start of something new. It's what is the new thing? It doesn't always need to be bigger or better, but what is the the new thing that you've learned about yourself and you kind of want to take forward? Um, like I said, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to make a, a castle or I'm going to cure something. It, it could be really something simple within yourself, or your family, your, your social circle, your community. Um, yeah. The reason that we do these things really does have to come from within, but also not not be what and who we are. And also understanding that that, that post-race anti-climax, like your life isn't going to change. You're still you. Being invested in running the best possible race, not specifically a time, allows them and I know allows me to really enjoy and execute the purpose of that post-race recovery as well. Like I'm, I'm fine not running the week after a marathon. Yeah. My weekly mileage is zero. I'm okay with that. Right. Cause that's the purpose of that week. Whereas other runners who are really focused on really specific metrics and weekly mileage, like it causes them great anxiety to see their, you know, to not run after a marathon and to see those numbers decline. And it's like, well, you're kind of missing the point here. Like the point of the, of this is not to maintain a weekly volume on Strava. The point of your training is to, as to have the ebb and flow within your fitness, right? Things ebb and they flow. So, you know, that, that kind of, that really internalized, why am I doing this and doing this for me? I'm not doing it for the numbers. I'm not doing it for somebody else. This is mine and mine alone. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. And actually just going back to the point about ebb and flow, something I forgot to mention as well is that we've got like a finite resource of just like that, that, that pool we can tap into. So the pool that it took me to, I could go into to do some of the things I've done before. That's only like, once you've like burnt through that fuel, you can't just jump back into the week afterwards. You're just a bit like, yeah, I don't really want to go that far. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm good. So you need to give yourself some time to recharge. I mean, you can't always be on. Um, so yeah, you've got to give yourself like just that time, like you're saying, allow for the ebb and flow of the year and some time off. It, it doesn't make you a weaker runner. I mean, you you, it's, you need it through yourself, really. I was talking with Running Explained coach Andrew last week. We were talking about the way that newer runners, and I understand this because this is what I did too, get really focused on really uh, the, the things you can measure as, as markers of success. They're really attached to weekly mileage. They're really attached to average pace or really attached to these very specific things you can measure, which in the grand scheme of things, as from a coaching perspective, like the exact numbers don't really matter. I mean, there's no difference 
for me, if a runner is running 40 or 40.5 miles per week, they, that there's no difference, but some runners get really focused on that. And I'm, I'm curious to know your perspective, because this has been my experience as I've progressed in my running and become more comfortable in my own skin in this sport, I've been able to let go of a lot of those things, not just the set it and forget it goal setting. If I don't hit a round number on my weekly mileage, like it's not a big deal anymore. I don't track miles on my shoes anymore. You know, those types of things, which used to be so important to me, I realize are, are really not that important at all. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that as well. And I give an example, like, I think when we're starting out, we, because we've, we've learned growing up that you know if you want something you have to write it down you've got to be methodical and then you'll get from a to b to c and as you know as a runner the coach like it doesn't always work that way sometimes you're just like in in like a a kind of hovering hovering before you even make move to c then you might go back to b you know it's like a not always a linear path and obviously i know it's like that for in other areas of life as well you know you see like all the memes about you know it's not a linear path it's like a squiggly line and <laughs> one of the things actually made me think of like how ridiculous I was being, especially with just being like about the time and, and the mileage and that kind of stuff is like, I was on, I was on holiday and a lot of runners probably can relate to this. Even though you're on holiday, you're like, I'm still training. So I'm still going to go for a run. And I remember this is like years and years ago. And I remember getting back to the hotel and my watch hadn't like rounded up to the mileage and it must be in chance, but my, my father-in-law came out and he's just like, what are you doing? You're just like running up and down this bit. And I was just like, well, I've got to round up my time. And he's just like, do you, do you realize that GPS isn't accurate? And it just like, it kind of blew my bubble, but I kind of needed that that bit because it was just like, it's so ridiculous what I'm doing. I'm trying to get accuracy for something that's not technically accurate. So it's like, I really got to let that go. So like, I always like have a jokes with people, like when they see stuff in my Strava, it's never like, seven miles is like 7.1 or six point something something because i'm like it's there or thereabouts <laughs> you know it's a time and feet so i can really understand that it's basically yeah there's no difference that 0.1 mile is not the difference between your pr <laughs> and not pring mm. especially when you're new and for many newer runners they do see rapid progress and the the fitter you become the less that happens. And that I feel like is also something where when that natural transition happens, runners aren't expecting it to happen. So they think there's something wrong, not understanding that's just, that's just a natural part of getting fitter means it's harder to get your peak performance out of you. Yeah, exactly. And you probably have this where people say, uh, why can't I not run my math and pace? Um, like, four or five weeks out from the math and, <laughs> and we could go to the reasons why um and you know you could give the reason but you know people do get frustrated with doing that but going back to your early point i think and you probably see this as, as a coach as well one of the things that i does concern me especially as a coach and you know seeing people get into sport is that they get into running um they try not try to shortcut it because that's not the truth but they might work with certain coaches or people or they feel like they see other people and they're like oh, okay, now I've done this marathon, next marathon block, I've got to do double mileage and I've got to go three workouts per week and I've got to go beast mode because everyone's grinding. If I'm not grinding, then I'm not living. It's like, you, you're good, you know, it's, <laughs> but it's easy to fall into. And then what happens is that they do that work, uh, they get faster, 
uh, they PR and then afterwards they start getting injured, start hating running and then kind of gradually fade out, fade away. And I've seen so many people, especially in this, in this space where they kind of burn bright and then they just fizzle out. And I, I know it's not a sexy answer and people don't want to hear this, but like the honesty is sometimes it's like, you got to really strip it back. And I've got this, this wrong myself as well, because I remember, and I don't want to name drop, but I'm going to say it, I, I was fortunate enough to speak to Sarah Hall on my podcast. And I remember asking a question about her marathon training because I was trying to like get context between what I was doing, what she was doing. Obviously you can't compare apples to oranges type thing, but she, I was basically saying like how many like uh, marathon pace miles you run. Um, because I think a certain um, thought of training is that like the more marathon miles you get, you know, the bigger miles like that's going to push you towards it because if you do it in your training then you're going to automatically in races which there is some theory but they're basically taking some stuff from the elite running into the amateur running and we could go into that but i'm going to park it but the point was that when i was doing my training before it was like very um intense so in a sense of like i was going to be burning out because my marathon uh pace work was so high in relation to my percentage of my weekly runs so i was working running like 50 50 to 60 miles um, but then you look at someone like Sarah Hall and obviously she's not going to give everything away, but she was, does well over a hundred plus miles a week easily. Right. And she was doing like a 20 mile run, which was like 10 was steady. And then like 10 was like a marathon pace. And she was like, well, I'll probably do about 10 to 15 miles. Obviously they might not give everything away, but I was just like, wow, she does that, that much. And I was like, looking at my miles, I was like, I do less miles, but I'm doing like 15, 16, 18, a marathon pace. I'm like, that is just not sustainable for like such a long time um so going back to my point as well is like sometimes we feel like we need to be absolutely beasting it by pushing ourselves but actually we're actually burning ourselves out so much quicker um, and that's the one of the quickest ways to like push yourself out of the sport um not for anyone else doing it but just through your um, lack of joy because you know a marathon pace run <laughs> If it was easy, then everyone would do it, you know, but if you're doing it like week on week, um, it does take something out of you. And, and I've spoken to other pros about it as well. And it's just like, you know, you, you have to manage it in a certain way. Um, there's different ways to train, um, which we will not get into, but the point is, it's just like just managing how you're doing your training and not, you know, thinking that if I do more of X, Y, Z, or if I try and copy someone else doing it, then I'm going to get the same results. Yeah, next year it might not work that way like i you know for example i would love to run like um london championship time but if i don't get it i don't get it and i'm not saying i'm not going to try but i sometimes as we know with the marathon there's things that you can control there's things that you can't control i know that i'm going to give my best effort to to achieve that goal but if i don't get it i'm happy with what i've done and understanding that your best effort does not mean doubling your volume from last training cycle, right? Because you're so right. I mean, especially in the very beginning, yeah, you're running five miles a week, running more will help, right? Running more is going to help. But if you're running 25, 30, 40, 50 miles a week, you may not need to run more. You just might need to do a couple training cycles at that same volume. I mean, I've done plans and I've advised athletes too. They're like, what should I do next? And I say, you should do the exact same thing you just did because that's all you're doing is changing, you know, your workout pace is probably gonna be a little bit faster because you ran a PR and your fitness has increased. Do the exact same thing all over again. That's going to help you reach, you know, that next level because eventually you run out of real estate, right? If you think, all right, 30, 40, 50, you know, once you get up past that 
for most people, that 50 mile per week mark, um, then you're starting to get into, especially for recreational runners, some real territory, right? 60, 70 miles. I've run 70 miles per week. It's a lot of miles. It's a lot of miles. And to ask most recreational runners to do even one week of elite training would break them, right? And so more is not always better. If you can't handle the volume, it doesn't matter because yeah. you're not you're not going to be able to do this sustainably. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. I think one side is the volume side, um, but I think the, the other side is um, it's the volume of the intensity of the 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 quicker workouts and and the breaks between. And I know. I've got to choose my words carefully here, but I think, you know, sometimes you, you can look at, for example, people would think, okay, three times a week. Okay. We're going to do track Tuesdays, tempo Thursdays, you know, we're going to do like a long run. You don't, that doesn't work for everyone. And I've seen people run faster times than me do it other ways. And there's some people that run faster than me that still do it that way. So um, I think one thing that I'm, I've, I've learned, especially as a coach is that just to give people more, recovery time uh between those those paces so because there's no point breaking them because also i want them to get fast but also i want them to enjoy it i mean they're coming to to, to coach you they're not coming to be beasted <laughs> so they're paying good money to, to for you to help them uh, enjoy running and hopefully get better that's i mean you're preaching to the choir here this is we are we are easy running helps you know bring you pr's territory um and that it, I think it's a really fascinating point. You know, we don't want to copy the training, what the elites are doing, but so many people, like you said, want to run significant portions of their training, especially half a full marathon at goal pace. And that's just inappropriate. That's not how you train, right? I consider advanced marathon training. If you're running 12 to 14 miles of marathon pace work per week, that is a, that is significantly advanced training, right? Um, and I think a lot of people think, well, it's not that hard. Well, it doesn't need to be hard for it to be hard on your body, right? I think that we typically think of only things that are extremely hard. Technically, when we talk about that easy, hard split, anything that isn't easy is kind of technically hard, right? Um, and we have to really honor the process and it, you may not need more volume or more intensity. You might just need more time yeah yeah time is, is is so key and you you hit the nail on the head it's like sometimes you might look at um an elite doing a, a workout but we take out of context so like for example they might have been brought up in a family or had support from the youth to one have the mindset uh, and you know training but they've got like 10 plus years of like experience in their legs so when they're doing that they know their body so you can't just take that and just be like, why am I not working? Why is it not working for me? And then even going to the, the marathon stuff as well. And something I, I realize as well, and I make sure I don't do my athletes as well, is that previous blocks are trained too hard. Um, but that was just the training system. Um, and what can end up happening is that like you would end up burning out. And if your life situation doesn't accommodate like a monk's existence, then literally just don't do it because you're going to be doing a marathon pace run on a Sunday. You've got to come home, you know, you've got family commitments. You've got to be, you know, available for family. And then next day you're going to go to work. You've got you're sitting down or, you know, whatever you're standing up, you're moving around. So you're not, you know, getting 10 hours plus eating in the middle, having a sandwich in the middle of the night, you know, sleeping, drinking, all that kind of stuff. The right things I say, drinking, drinking water 
as opposed to anything else. Uh, yeah, all those all those good things. So um, you forget sometimes, like even though it feels like okay on the body at the time, and it's like you said, it, it is hard because the body remembers. It takes a long time for the body to kind of uh, make those adaptions because then you jump into another workout and maybe don't hit that workout. And it's like a, a cycle that can continue and actually derail your training. So uh, those are things that you could got to watch out for. I, I know we're, we're talking about mindset, but we've, we've gone into a coaching rant, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, but we'll pull the curtain back. Everybody can kind of see how the sausage gets made and how we, you know, as coaches approach this, cause you know, cause it is a balance. Um, something else I wanted to talk about is process goals or non-race goals. Somebody asked me recently, because I'm running the Chicago Marathon this fall, and they asked me, yeah, what's, what's your goal? What are you hoping to do? And I said, the, oh, you know, this, that, the other. And I, well, I was about to say, and then I realized, you know, to be honest, and I've been honest with my coach and myself, like my primary goal for this marathon training cycle is to complete a strong training cycle without any weird stuff happening. Cause I've had weird stuff happen the last couple cycles. One, obviously because of COVID another one, I had a, a injury that derailed me for a little bit. Like my primary goal is to just have a good training cycle. And if I get through my training cycle, then I'm, I'm not really worried about what's going to happen on race day. Cause I know that it'll take care of itself. And yeah, of course I have, you know, time goals in the back of my mind, but my primary goal is just to have a good training cycle. Um, do you have any other ways of conceptualizing how we can set goals that aren't overly focused on a specific time or a distance? Yes, yeah, a good point. So, I, I mean, I don't sound like a hypocrite because I've I've been that person that is focused on the time and then that's been my driver. And then um, I went to an next race afterwards and I tried to implement the same you know, techniques, but it didn't really have the same feeling for me. I just didn't really have, the, the, you know, that, that, that drive to do it because... I realized after the sub three, it wasn't really my goal. It was just a goal that we said it was like an arbitrary goal. And it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I put myself through this training? So then you have to really sit back and ask yourself the question like, why am I running? Why am I running most days? Obviously you want a rest day as well. Um, but you know, even, you know, marathon training, whatever, you know, whatever speed you were or time you're going to do it, it requires time and effort. It's hard work. Um, you know, for everyone. So and we all cover the same distance. So respect to everyone that does it. And, Mine is kind of similar to you in a sense of like, you know, about you talked about, you know, wanting to have the, the good training cycle and then the race takes care of itself. And I agree with that, that side as well. Um, I always just think on the day, what is my intention? I just, I just focus on the day. Like, what can I do today to just to do my best? I don't even think about the marathon. I think, what can I do to give my, put myself in the best position to run a good run? Am I fueled enough? Am I drunk enough? um am i taking it easy you know just 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 focus on just the one foot in front of the other i don't think too far about like what time it's going to lead to just focus on the process um and then you have days where you're just like oh my gosh i just really this really sucks i'm really not enjoying this and sometimes i imagine <laughs> i'm running alongside like the highest version of myself and they're on my shoulder and i'm just like Marcus this sucks I don't say this out loud because obviously people be like this is a bit weird <laughs> but I open my head I'm talking to myself the highest version of myself and I say I talk about whatever challenge I'm going through and inherently you know what the, the right thing to do is so you will give yourself the advice it's not always like beast mode like I need to go all out it might be like you need to take some time off you need a rest day you might need to do this you might need to do this at home or whatever um so yeah 
whatever I always imagine like having like I said having that conversation with myself because you inherently know because we always want to go to other people but we know ourselves we know our bodies um and you know that's it's got to start from there um so those are the kind of things I, I focus on really just really in the moment and like you're saying when you get closer to the race then you can start to think about like what it's potentially going to look like for for the marathon itself but I always then before that just take the time out just do some visualization techniques which I can share with you as well um on the, on the whole you want to think about things that will um potentially go well you want to obviously in a, in a good way but you also want to think about things that potentially won't go so well so i give an example of boston 2018 now everyone will know it from the monsoon year and one of the good things about that year was that <laughs> if it was a, could be a good thing was that we knew in advance that it was going to be terrible weather so it gave me time to like plan out what's gonna happen so i wrote down on a bit of paper like every eventuality that could go wrong like the worst case thing and how i was gonna i was gonna deal with it fortunately the worst case thing is didn't happen but because i'd really wrote those ideas down i was really in a place where i could think about what i would do i was on like a problem solving mindset so i remember just crossing the line and just like it was just like in a kind of like a trance of just getting to the finish line of just just trying to work with what i had just try to be in the best moment just try to be uh, conscious of things so i would say like as much as we want to spend most of the time visualizing what's going to go right you also want to think about when things do go wrong how you're going to face it what are you going to do differently if your your shoelace unties and your hands are freezing what are you going to do don't throw your shoe away <laughs> tie your shoelace to go tighter you know you, all these little things so um hopefully that's been kind of helpful that's one of the tricky parts about all of this is that you, you kind of don't know what you're going to get right on any given day. And you wake up and you do the best you can on the day. And some days that's a rest day. And some days that's an easy run. And some days it's race day, but all you can focus on is what's in front of you and the task at hand. And, you know, you put enough of those days together and you put enough of those cycles together, it will build over time. Yeah, definitely. But I've learned as well with running and you see it with the pros as well that sometimes life doesn't owe you anything. You have to accept what happens on the day. Like you can't be like, God, I've done five years of solid training and I've had this one terrible race. Why me? You know, maybe you've got to wait 10 years before you get your your quote unquote perfect race. So I, I try not to think of it in, in that sense of like I'm owed something. It's almost like I'm just just focusing on just put one foot in front of the other and then what happens happens what is for me is for me if it doesn't go to plan yeah I'm gonna be annoyed about it I might put a a, a Saki Instagram post whining about something but then I'll probably take it down like a couple hours later so it's just about you know we, we, we're human you know you, you don't like live in like a zenic existence I mean you don't cross the line and just be like mm, okay I can see it clearly You're just like man I've put all this time and effort in da, da, da. so that's that's normal but you know um I, I i like i said i try not to think that i'm i'm entitled to anything or i'm owed anything because i see it in the best runners and i think if it can happen to some of the best runners then who am i to be like how dare it happen to me yeah and i think i mean of course this sport owes you nothing right we hope for the best we do the best we can um but i think that's a, a to see, you know, we know a lot of these famous names. We know a, there are so many unbelievable runners in history. 
And yet there are also, I'm sure, thousands of runners that we've never heard of because they never did hit their breakthrough, right? And I'm sure they're obviously exceptional in their own right, but that's just how it goes sometimes. You never may get your big break. But what I love about running is that it teaches you about yourself and about life. Like the fitness is a a fun side effect, but I know for me, you know, being, being someone who runs, being a runner has really like helped me be a better person. You know, it teaches you all these skills, these like life skills about dealing with frustration and and about how to persevere and about how to be kind to yourself that, you know, the sport requires. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I think, yeah, running does teach us a lot. I think when we, if you could go back to Elizabeth at the start of her running career to now, I'm sure it's the same for me, like the goals that you would have set are completely like the different goals and lessons that you've learned, like looking back. And it's like you're saying, it's through the challenges that actually we've learned a lot about ourselves and, you know, like not like there's not one breakthrough moment and then life is fantastic. It's just like a series of little moments that we kind of move towards good or not so good whatever you define that as as being exactly so i would be remiss at the end of our conversation if i didn't put you on the spot a little bit and say do you have any goals in mind that you are currently contemplating (laughs) whatever they may be i would love to work towards a london championship place so for men that's sub 240 but you know i am you know not so close right now in terms of my PR, but you know, that's the goal that I want to, I think sometimes you need a goal that is just outside of your, your realm of thinking that still scares you, but not too far. That's ridiculous. Like I'm not going to be like, I'm going to run 215 people. Like, I don't think you're going to take that much time off (laughs) like a couple like couple of cycles. So I think, yeah, that that's my goal because for me, you know, being, and it's the same for you know americans like you know boston qualify is such a big thing because it's like the people's olympics so they they watch it in tv so for me growing up you've got to bear in mind like london marathon was that for me i saw it on the television um and it was a powerful way of actually seeing your city on foot and even though you live here you don't see it in that same way you don't see the crowd so london marathon has that for me that so you've got the good for age time which is i think for men sub three so that there's that side but then there's a championship place and i think that uh, has that extra i don't know i think for like for me personally just growing up and not having uh, running as part of my vocabulary at home or seeing my other friends doing it um something that i've gone into doing and i love doing it would just be amazing as a, as, a, as a thing for myself just to to see how far i can go and if i don't get it like i said i know that i've, I've tried my best I'm not going into it wishing, hoping, but um, that would be amazing just to go from running a London marathon, my first London marathon was 4.55 to then breaking sub three to to doing that. And it's just like the amazing thing about running, like you're saying, and probably same for you, is like it, it, it you prove yourself right and it just shows you how strong or the depth of the pool of strength that you have in, the, in, in yourself and you can take that into other areas of your life. And it's just uh, an amazing... Uh, amazing thing that sort of spreads uh, in so many other areas but like I said um that is the thing I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do well you've had three three-ish hour marathons we talked about the importance of stacking those training cycles <laughs> maybe maybe you're about to break through to uh get close to sub 240 that 
that's a challenging goal. That that one would scare me a little bit yeah. too, but in a good way, right? Yeah. 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 Uh I I'm in it for the long run, pun intended. So uh I've gotta <laughs> definitely gotta make sure I get those uh training cycles in. And I'm not expecting anything um obviously not saying it wouldn't happen, but you know, you gotta be realistic. Like I've life doesn't work in a way of like I'm gonna do this in the next training cycle. Like you're saying, it's a stacking it up and I'm I'm working on just enjoying the process as much as you can do. What would Pass Marcus <laughs> think if you ran a, a four fifty five in your first London? If you walked up to you and said, "Hey, in a couple years' time, guess what? You'll be chasing this goal instead." Would you have believed yourself? That's a really good question. I think anyone's asked me that, so I've not really had to think about it. Um, That's really hard, actually. Yeah, I think, yeah, it'd be because you, you're the the thing about running the, the, the faster times is that, like, it still hurts. People think, like, yeah. <laughs> it's somehow easier or whatever, but actually it probably hurts just as much as it did before, but it's just you're more accepting of being within that place to grow, whereas before it's like, I'm not saying you should do this, but like you, you jump into hot water and you like you jump straight out, but it's just like you get into hot water slowly and you're sitting in there. So it's just kind of the same type of thing. So it's like you you have the strength there, just like stick with it. You know, you've you've got what it takes. Just just stay in it a little bit longer. Um, obviously, don't hurt yourself, but obviously, you know, you've got what you need. You've got what it takes. So um, yeah, just it hurts. It won't go away. <laughs> but you've got the strength to, to deal with it yeah it doesn't get easier it was funny my mom asked me that and she's like so like is it when you when you train for these things it does it is it easier to race and I was thinking no it actually sometimes sometimes it's harder it's harder to race you just get to the the um the reward for getting fitter is you only you have to spend less time hurting <laughs> yeah yeah I mean when you think about like the last I mean it's the same for anyone it's like the last 10k of a marathon and and I've spoken to elite runners that have got PRs and things like that. We all feel the same thing. The last 10K, it's just like you're in this like vortex of just like <laughs> this tunnel of just silence. And it's just like you just feel it, you know. Um, I wish it was this like this uh, this thing where you just sort of stroll through and it's kind of like high-fiving, waving, but you just like, let's get to the end <laughs> as quick yeah, as possible. You're on autopilot. Like you're just trying to keep your legs yeah. moving. Don't think about it. Just keep going. You still have 10 K yeah. to go, but you only have 10 K to go. <laughs> yeah. You, go, you look so good. It's like, no, I don't Nobody look terrible. Looks good. Stop lying 10K. to me. <laughs> Nobody looks good. 10 <laughs> K to go. Well, except for Kipchoge. He's like the only person in the world who looks the same at mile one and mile 20, 26. <laughs> oh, yeah. He just look, he's just a, a legend, isn't he? So well, and it took him talk about time, time to achieve your goals, right? He's been an elite runner for how many years? And again, we don't want to compare ourselves to elites, but he would not have been able yeah. to do what he's doing now 15 years ago. He needed the time to get to where he is uh, and, and obviously yeah. have that goat status. But if he can take time, you listener runner can be a little bit patient and take your time as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think just one thing, Kipchoge as well, and I've heard other people say this, and one thing that is amazing about him, as much as people talk about him um, doing it, he always talks about the importance of teamwork and people around him. And as runners, like we like to think, especially the mindset thing, it's like, I'm going to do this goal by myself, da-da-da, which is, goes back to the point of like, 
you know, it's really important to get the people around you to support you. And even with Eddie, he talks about the importance of like his training partners. Um, and I've been girls as well, just like doing lots of run solo, which is fine. Um, but if you can like get like people around you to run groups, uh, sessions, it's, it's so much easier because you feel, um, you know, a shared sense of responsibility and, you know, it's what Ellie talks about, you know, teamwork definitely makes, makes you, what you see with him there, but it's, it's the team that makes it happen. Um, even F1, you know, you, you know, I'm not sure if F1 fans here, but you always hear like saying like Lewis Hamilton or, or, you know, George Russell, they, they always talk about, you know, thank you to the team, you know, thank you, do you know what I mean? Thank you for putting it together. And I know the guys are working hard in the garage and stuff like that, because, you know, we're, we're, we're like one part of it, even though we're out there running, you know, there's so much goes into it, you know, um, whether it's strength conditioning, whether it's, you know, you know, family support, you know, whatever your friends, uh, we don't do it alone. So I think it's just important just to celebrate uh, those external relationships. Yes, absolutely agree with that. It is all, it is a solo sport, but it is a team effort all the way. Marcus, thank you so much for being here today. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I know you have a, a great depth of personal experience and obviously a wealth of conversations with some truly amazing um, runners and, and professionals to draw upon. So I appreciate you sharing your time today. Um, for runners who aren't familiar with your podcast, which is truly excellent, tell us more about that and and where people can find and follow you. Thank you. First of all, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. And like I said in my podcast, um, I think you bring so much value to you, the, the running community. And it was a real honor to speak with you today. So thank you for having me uh, on the podcast. Um, so my podcast is called A Runner's Life Podcast. And it started off as a lockdown project to connect with other runners and to try and find the secret and what i've realized after two years of doing it there is no secret <laughs> so <laughs> lots Spoiler of little things alert. You've got to do. <laughs> i know i was just like maybe if i keep going i'll find some more but no i didn't find it so it's a runner's life it's on all the favorite platforms apple spotify um yeah and i speak to some amazing uh, people from elite runners but i really enjoyed the conversations as well with just the everyday runners um and have experts in there just because it refines your point of view and helps you learn more about running. And it also helps me as a coach as well, because you hear so many different perspectives and there's so many different ways of doing things. So yeah, it's, it's definitely helping me to, to learn to listen more. And as you can tell, I like to talk quite a bit because I'm a podcaster. So for me, it's just quite easy just to yap away. And I, and I felt like I have to stop talking now, so I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, it's very impressive some of the names you've been able to have on your show. Um, and when you asked me to come on, I, I, you know, I was like, wait, is does he, he, me, me? And I think I'd come on soon after Sarah Hall had been your guest. Um, what I love hearing about from professional runners is that they are humans who go through basically the exact same stuff that any other runner does. They just happen to be performing at a high level. Like they go through the same things, the same doubts, the same anxieties about training and paces and volume. And my hamstring is tweaky and this, that, the other, like there's no, there is no magic. Like you said there, it's just, it's just people who have to be really fast. Yeah. They're humans as well. And it sounds ridiculous saying it, but like, and also, I think people forget as well with some elite runners as well. And I, and I got this wrong as well in the beginning. It's like you want to get, when well, you want to have a conversation, you want to get certain answers, but you realize actually it's not fair to ask them those questions because they're in a position where they've got sponsors, they've got, you know, so many pressures that they can't just be like, blur, this is how I honestly feel. Like, 
they don't might not have the, the space to, to do that but sometimes you get uh, athletes that do talk a bit more freely and some that don't and it's not a right or wrong way um one of the conversations i really enjoyed actually was with camille heron on the rich roll podcast and she really spoke o- openly about her training and uh, and she's an amazing advocate for for that so she's like on the opposite side of just being like i think so relatable in that sense so to the people um regardless if you're an ultra runner or not um but then there's other athletes i've spoken to and you know they can't and, and now looking back i understand the reasons why because of the pressures that they're under so i think when you speak to like an everyday um runner um they are definitely more relatable to the listener for sure and i think those are some of the uh, really magic conversations like you know you've, like you've had some conversations about things that are not not to do with running just to do with life and death and some things that still stick with me now and some things that kind of almost bring you to tears and some things that actually make you learn about yourself um so yeah the podcast has been um, incredible for me that's yeah no it is fantastic and anybody who's not a listener you should be it's one of my recommended listens <laughs> i transitioned a while ago to when i do i don't always run with headphones anymore but when i'm not doing a workout that might need music uh, i like to listen to podcasts and yours is in my rotation definitely yeah, it does feel like when you're when you're talking to elite athletes or reading somebody's memoir, you're like decrypting. <laughs> like you're like, I know what you're telling me is not the whole picture, but I'm gonna like read between the lines. And um, and I understand. I mean, I can't imagine the pressures that an elite athlete, you know, goes through. And um, yeah, it takes a special um kind of person to not only to run that fast to have the gift, but then to be able to stand the pressure. So uh it's but it's nice that you're giving us a peek behind the curtain and, and talking to some of these people yeah absolutely and yeah they're 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 all incredible people they've all like everyone i've spoken to has has taught me something uh so yeah it's it's an incredible position to be in and yeah i never thought i would um, have the opportunity to speak to some of the amazing people i have done and yeah yeah as long as i keep enjoying it as long as people uh enjoy it then i will i'll keep doing it um it's 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 crazy because i I mean I, i i i did it for like a selfish reason like i said because I really wanted to just find the secret, which there wasn't. So I'm just a curious person, but this the impact that it's had has been amazing. Like I've I've um I, I was doing a race in Portugal recently in the Azores, and I thought there's going to be no one here that's going to know who I am. And this guy approached me, and goes, "Are you Marcus from Runners Life Podcast?" I was like, "Yeah." I was, just, I was like, "How <laughs> how do you know me here?" So like, it's amazing. So like, it's, it, 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 and as sure as, as you've probably experienced as well, like when you go to races or things like that you don't realize the impact that you're having but you are having an amazing impact by putting the quality you're into the world but you're just doing it because you enjoy doing it and it's similar for me with the podcast and it's but it's amazing when you hear it obviously like you want to hear that rather than the negative stuff but even if people said you suck or whatever i'd be like i still enjoy doing it so i want to do it so yeah, I, it's nice to hear the other side as well. I mean, yeah, we, I, I have to say this is my secret sauce as being a coach. It's like, I get to have conversations yeah. with professionals and coaches every single week. I'm like, that's how I learn. Like, I'm just sitting here like a sponge, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. Same here. Same here. Well, Marcus, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our time today. I likewise. Thanks, Elizabeth. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time.
This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.